listening to our New Chapel podcast. We're for people to connect with God and be raised to new life in Christ. Be sure to connect with us at newchapel.com and on social media to stay up to date on everything happening here at New Chapel. Well, good morning, church. Welcome to the second part of our series called Love Thy Neighbor. If you have anything to take notes with, go ahead and pull that out right now. It'd be the ideal time. I want to welcome all those that are watching online. Make sure to share this feed. Uh, last week, we did not even get to the scripture about loving our neighbor. And I did that on purpose, I will tell you. Because I've taught about the subject of love before in depth. I really have. And in this particular series, we will share that scripture. In fact, it'll be on the onset of today. But I have found this, that love is not really something that's, that's super deep meaning confusing. It's, it's deep meaning it's hard to do. Every once in a while, I'll talk to somebody and they'll say, Pastor Joe, why can't we go deeper at church? I just want to go into the deep things. And they want to talk about crossing the menorah with the laver and how we can really get the spirit of moving if we cross-reference that with the temple and the actions that happened on Acts chapter 2. And what they really want me to do is confuse them. And I could confuse you. I went to Bible school and it was confusing enough for me, but I could do that. The reality is that the deep things in the Bible are not just confusing. Deep is often just hard to do. I'll tell you what's hard to do. Loving your neighbor as yourself. I'm going to read that for you out of St. Luke chapter 10. It says this in verse 27. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You know, it's interesting, Jesus is saying this in response to a question. He was asked, hey, what's the greatest commandment? And instead of giving them one commandment, he gives them two. He says, love the Lord with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, right? Love your neighbor as yourself. And I love Jesus. In actually this passage, he, he talks about going the second mile. He takes what is a normal commandment. He adds to it. He says, it's loving God and it's loving others as yourself. Now, I've heard some preachers say, and I just want to deal with this for a second, uh, and it's, it's popular, actually. Love God and love others. Have you heard that? That's not gospel, and that's not what it says. It says, love God and love others as yourself. Now, listen, I'm not talking about what Jesus warned us about, which is to love your life unto death. I'm not talking about loving this world and this life so much that you're enamored with it. But you do need to have love in you. You're not going to be able to give love to others that you don't have within yourself. You're not going to give freedom to others that you don't currently have. Say amen, somebody. And so we have to love others as ourselves. you got to make sure that your family, your home is taken care of, and, and then you'll be able to do those things. And God doesn't ask us to make the discernment. But I hear a lot of churches do that, and here's what happens. I see those churches done get worn out. Loving God and loving others with no self-care, no discipleship, no taking care of their congregation, and they step over the church they have to get the church that they want. And I'll tell you, we will never be that church. Can I hear an amen? Now, yeah, praise God. Go ahead. Loosen you up. Go ahead. I'm not going to stop until this end of the room. Wait a second. You all were so good. You're on fire. Did y'all get baptized in pickle juice? I said, praise God. Here we go. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Yikes. Okay. Uh, I want to say this, and I'm going someplace with this. I'm a foodie. Anybody else a foodie in the house? Shame the devil and tell the truth. I like food. I like going to first walk and getting Chinese food. I like going and getting Italian food. I'm Italian. In fact, my dad, yeah, my dad would get upset if I said Italian too much because we are Sicilian, and it's different, okay? But, but we like pasta. I married a Polish girl. She, she a Polak. Now, she brings something to the table, and that is kielbasa from Ralph's on Leonard Street. And, and I got to tell you, Frank's is full of crap. I, I, I don't like it. I don't, anybody else know I'm talking about? Ralph's on Leonard. Yes, I see that hand. May I have another? I love it. It's a, but, but you come to a holiday or a party at our house, there might be a kielbasa. There also might be pasta. And, and, and so as I'm, as I'm making the pasta, I like to make a good thick ragu, good pasta sauce. And my wife, white as a sheep, Polak, she says, I don't, I just want a little. Are oh, you killing me? I put so much love into the sauce. Anybody else know what I'm talking about with a good sauce? Come on, that's where the action is. Some mushrooms in it. 
Just felt the Holy Ghost when I said that. So I like that kind of food. But I'll also tell you this. I love barbecue. You know what I'm talking about? Barbecue where they got like a pig spinning. I went up to a, to a barbecue one time at a graduation party. And this old boy was up there. And he was, I don't know how he got operating heavy machinery. But he was in charge of that roaster. And he said, he said, Pastor Joe, do you want the most tender meat off the pig? I said, yes, sir. He reached onto that pig's face and grabbed its cheek and ripped it off and put it right here. When a seven-foot hillbilly puts a pig's cheek in your mouth, do you know what you do? You open your mouth and you eat it. That's what you do if you were wondering. That's from my hometown, everybody. And so I love breakfast at Cracker Barrel. I love lunch at a hole in the wall. I, how about this hole in the wall? If you know it, get loud. Choo-choo grill. I'm telling you, those hamburgers... The, I don't care if they're grass-fed. In fact, I'd prefer if mine were fed with chemicals. Like, I just, I don't know what she's making. It's lard and evil, but it all comes together on a beautiful plate. There's five chairs in the whole place. Whew, God, I got chills just talking about it. Like, I love that. For dinner, I'm telling you, I could eat it yesterday. Ruth's Chris, I could eat it big boy. <laughs> I've got high taste. I could eat at the Olive Garden, and there's a very, very classy restaurant I've really gotten into. I really like it. It's called Classic Kelly's. If you've never been to Classic Kelly's, it's, a, it's in Cedar Springs. You might not know. Okay. <laughs> Kai and I like having people. She knows exactly what I'm talking about. She's thinking, what? Uh, Kai and I love having people over the house, and we love having an informal dinner. We like having a bougie-bougie dinner. Kai and I do everything in between. And we like eating with people who we love and talking. And, and you probably do the same thing in your life. Now, at the same time, I'm a foodie and I like a dinner party, but I especially love a banquet. One of the best parts about being a senior pastor is they invite me to that wedding reception. <laughs> and I always ask, I say, well, you need someone to pray for the wedding, you know, the meal at the reception, right? You need someone and I'm kind of shaking my head, yes, well, I'm asking, you know. And so I like to go to those things and just see what people are cooking, you know. Like, I, I love it. I love it when I go to a Hispanic wedding. Ooh, Jesus, those people can cook. They'll curl your toes, it's so good. And, and I, I just, so I like to eat. But I like a wedding reception because it's a banquet and it's different. And it, it's all bougie-bougie and you have to act right, you know. And, and there's cloth tables and there's cloth napkins with napkin rings, you know, and in and, and dinner party at your house, you know everybody that's coming. But if you go to a banquet, you're going to be sitting around a table. You don't know who you're going to be sitting with. It's a lotto. You might like them. You might not. <laughs> and so, so you're sitting at a banquet, and it's special, and it's different. And, and there's appetizers. There's not appetizers at home. There might be finger food. We might put a whole thing of olives out. But, like, like there's, there's appetizers when you're at the banquet. And so I love it. Whether you're talking about a wedding reception, whether you're talking about a school award banquet, whether you're talking about a businessman getting an award, I love a good banquet. And I want to read for you Luke chapter 14. If you have your Bibles turned there, Jesus has something to say, some interesting ideas about banquets. Now, I want to give you some context. Uh, before I do, let me ask you a question. Who is at your table at this banquet? Who, who's, who's sitting with you? It's something that we all uh, probably maybe easily have an answer for who's with you currently. And and, and for Jesus, he, in this passage, is attending a dinner party, a banquet. And he's attending it at a house of a Pharisee. Now, whenever I read the Bible and I read about Jesus interacting with a Pharisee, my ears perk up. And, and for any of you that have been around church for a while, you might know that, that the Pharisees were the religious people. They were the rule misers, the taskmasters. They were, they were kind of stuck up when it came to the family of God. And Jesus was constantly butting heads with them, having small wars. They would put pressure. He'd put pressure back, praising Jesus. And, and I love it. But my ears do perk up because many of them had interactions like that. But also, if there was a denomination that believed as, as close as Jesus, like if Jesus could line up with any of it, it would have been the Pharisees. He believed just along the line, not like the Sadducees. They didn't believe in the resurrection, as I always say. That's why they were sad, you see. And, and so that's a preacher joke, but God bless you. Anyway, so, so when Jesus is talking to them, my ears do perk up because I'm thinking, these are the church kids. These are the people that are attending. These are church people. These are church leaders. These are the pastors, if you will, of that day. And, and so what Jesus is saying to them, sometimes he's saying it directly to us. It's also interesting that in the context of this, it's a dinner. There's guests all over the place. They're mingling. 
and Jesus is fitting in. Uh, at this dinner, there's this person who uh, is sick, he's ill in his body, and he needs to be healed. And so what Jesus does is he goes up to the man, begins to minister to him. But the Pharisees, being the people who are all about rules and regulations, they took what was natural in God's law and added so much to it, okay? What they did was they, they made it so you couldn't do anything on Saturday. Like Saturday, the Sabbath day, it was a day of rest, and it still is. It's a principle. You still need a day off every single week to rest your body, rest your temple. If you think that you can go seven days a week, every single week, week after week, burning the candle at both ends, as my dad would say, you're not as bright as you think you are. That's going to meet somewhere in the middle. It's going to catch up with you. But you need to take a Sabbath. Well, in that day, they were so big on it being Saturday and Saturday only. They would measure how many steps you could have, how many shoes of a bite you could have. It, it became so much more than what God was even looking for. He was looking to add value to people's life by giving them an opportunity to rest, and the, the Pharisees had made it all about law, and so they, they were against Jesus' healing, and so they confronted him. Jesus didn't care. He confronted them back and healed the man. Now, this person was healed, and it started a little bit of a tiff at the party, but Jesus used it as a teaching experience, as an opportunity to educate them. And he started to tell a story about a certain person, basically saying this, hey, it's easy to invite people like us here. I want you to invite people who are unlike us and who are not here. Let me read it for you in Luke's gospel, chapter 14, verse 16. Jesus replied, a certain man was preparing a great banquet and invited many guests. At the time of the banquet, he sent his servant to tell those who had been invited, come, for everything is now ready. So here's what he's saying. Come, table set. We got all the, the, the bougie, bougie tablecloths. We got the napkin rings. Steak's about ready. Go get them, okay? Sends his servant to go get people. Verse 18. But they all alike began to make excuses. The first said, I just bought a field, and I must go and see it. Please excuse me. I will just say, I'm going to put this here and move on right away. The closest thing that I've ever seen to church unity is in the form of excuses. Okay, moving on. <laughs> what is this person saying? I got a new house. I got a vacation home. I got a new property. I've been saving up money for a long time, and I filled up my gas tank. I've got stuff I got to do, Pastor Joe, and listen... I'm invited to the dinner every single week. I'm good. Listen, you're just, if you could just please excuse me. I know I'm always invited. Kind of blowing them off. Verse 19. Another said, I have just bought five yoke of oxen. I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. What's this person saying? Well, gosh, Pastor Joe, the weather just broke. We, we got to get out. We've got this new toy, this new boat, this new car. We got to have fun while the weather broke. And you're all looking at me like the weather didn't break. It snowed. One of you has been missing church, and it's brought calamity on Western Michigan. So I'm just putting it out there. It's not my fault. But you know what it's going to be like come June, July, August. You'll be like, listen, I, I, I know I'm invited to the table. I know I'm a guest. I know that everything's prepared. But listen, i got to get that fun in while there's still chance. I'm always invited. Verse 20. Still another said, I just got married, so I can't come. Well, I got family in town, Pastor Joe. It's our anniversary. It's our birthday. We got to get that time spent in. You know, I've been reading that book by Chapman about the five love languages and time spent. I think what we're doing is very whole. I think it's wisdom that we pull back from the dinner table. And, and listen, we're comfortable in our relationship with you. We'll see you at the dinner party later. Verse 21. The servant came back and reported this to his master. And then the owner of the house, what did he do? He became angry. And he ordered his servant, go out quickly into the streets and the alleys of the town and bring in the poor and the crippled and the blind and the lame. What's happening? The master of this house is known for a regular dinner party. And there are these guests that regularly come to the dinner party. And they have it really good. They don't even realize how good they have it. It's like having a rich uncle. How many of y'all just wish you had a rich uncle in Jesus' name? Where's that guy? Come on, Richie, rich anointing, show up. And so, so like, like it, they got it good. They're able to go and have this wonderful time inside a really stately house. But they've gotten used to it. And so they're taking it for granted. And what this master has done is he's put so much time and energy. He's worked hard to create not just a normal dinner party, but he's put a lot of effort in George creating a banquet 
creating the right atmosphere. He's no doubt put a lot of thought into what they like, what they would prefer, their preferences about things. He's worked hard and the whole time thinking about them. And so he sends his servant to get someone after they all blow him off with their excuses. He sends his servant to go and get somebody who's needy for the meal. And he says, go look for the poor, the, the crippled. Maybe your translation says the maimed, the lame, and the blind. Okay, who are those people? Certainly, Jesus is talking about literal people that are poor and crippled and, and, and that, are, that are blind. But Jesus is Jesus, right? He's also talking about a deeper and spiritual meaning. What is it? Poor. He's talking about somebody who's needy, not just needy money, spiritually needy, a deficit. This person's been through stuff. They've maybe heard about God, but they don't know where to find him. They're needy for him. How about crippled or maimed, your Bible might say? They've been through some stuff. They've been pushed away. Maybe they've been hurt by a Christian. Maybe they've been hurt by the church before. And, and so it's pushed them away, and there's a deficit. There's, can I put it this way? When you get upset with Christians, the church, other people, there's a little bit of a chip on your shoulder. There, there's, there's an element where you've been hit. The lame, these are people that have lost all forward momentum in their life. They've plateaued. There's no forward movement. They're in a standstill. Why? They're, 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 they're at a spot where they're lame in their life, and that could be because of depression. That could be because of hurt. That could be because they don't know anything about what we've experienced in this room, and, and, and they're just living life, rolling with the punches. Or how about the blind? These are people that would love to know what you know. They would love to know a relationship with Jesus. They can't even see it. They, they, they don't even understand what we're talking about. They, they, they can't put anything together about it. Maybe it's a person who's de-churched, and they can't even see how they would re-enter into this thing. I don't even know how I would re-engage. I can't see how God would put this all together. And I will tell you, when you're one or more of these things, it can be like bricks on your chest. And Jesus is saying this. If the people who were invited to this thing, if the people who, who deserve to be at this table are going to blow me off, go get people who do need it. Go get somebody out there who wants a good meal. Somebody does. Somebody needs a good meal. I got to tell you, I, I put on a good show. This, by the way, is somebody who's very secure in what he's presenting. You know, parents, sometimes you get upset when your kids come home and they blow you off, stuff like that. You got to be secure in the gift that you're giving to them. And don't try to make up and fill in the gap. You can only chase people so much. You hear me? You can only chase people so much. But there are people out there who are needy for what you have to offer. Luke 14, now verse 22. Sir, what you have ordered has been done, but there's still room. Then the master told his servant, go out into the roads and the country lanes and compel them to come in so that my house will be full. Say it with me. So that my house will be full. That's a big deal. Because your Jesus died to build something, and it was a church, and he wants his family all in the house. He wants his house full. Is church a place? No. Is church a gathering? Yes. And when we're all in the place together, that's what matters to our God that's in heaven. Somebody say amen. amen. You know, as we, as we talk about banquets and, and dinner parties, it's easy when you go down that road of banquet to think that your teenager maybe that's getting the athletic award or maybe getting their their varsity letter i remember i was a big band geek and uh i loved it i was the best drum major in michigan two years in a row cmu declared that i have plaques and all kinds of different things and i used to be able to strut i will spare you from it because it looks like science fiction at this point in my life but <laughs> i loved it i loved everything about it and i remember being my freshman year and we were over at an awards ceremony, and they had me go up, and I got my letter for my letterman jacket. I was so excited, and I was so proud. I've seen people before that have been awarded in different ceremonies academically or, again, like we said, in a business setting. And it's easy to think that the person who's getting the award is the one who's actually being honored, who is the honored guest, if you will, at that banquet. But what I've realized is this, having done many weddings and having been at many of those ceremonies, I will look oftentimes, as that person goes up and gets the award, I will look at the table that they came from, and I will see the businessmen go up at the award, and the, the wife and the family are there, and they're cheering dotifully on, or maybe it's the husband and the kids that are cheering the mom on for some great exploit. 
I've seen before people who have uh, gotten the, the, the different uh, band banquet or, or, or athletic award, and you look back at the table and you see grandma and parents, and they got a tear going down there because they're proud. They're proud. I've seen so many dads from this angle walking their daughters down, tore back, everybody. And they go walk their daughter up, and, and who gives this woman to be wed? And they're like, oh, you know, they're begrudgingly. And that was just at my wedding. <laughs> and uh, begrudgingly put the hand in. <laughs> you think I'm joking. And, and, and I've, watched, I've watched so many men and women and families sit down, and we think that it's the bride and groom, but I look out at the group, and I see, I see older people crying. You know that they're uncles, aunts, or grandparents. And, and I've realized the honored guest of the banquet is not who the banquet is actually even titled for. It's for all the people around that honored guest. Does that make sense to you? And so we have to realize that there's more there. There's families behind all of it. In the next couple of weekends, for the first time, in two weekends to be precise, New Chapel will be having an Easter service where we will be having three service times. Isn't that awesome? Now, we've never done that before. And I'm excited about it. These three service times are going to be 8 o'clock, 9.15, and 11. And we need people to serve. We need people to come to the early services. So I'm looking right now at my 11 o'clock crowd, and I'm just putting an ask out there. This is not my message, not in my notes. But if you wanted to come to the 9.15, it's not the 9 o'clock. That's early. 9.15, you could do that on Easter. That'd be awesome. Okay, shame the devil and tell the truth. Our church is the church that comes in during the second song anyway, so you're already coming to the 915 service, I'm just saying. So, so even better, maybe you're like, we got a thing at Grandma's, and there's a ham and Rice Krispies. Perfect, come to the 8 o'clock. God would be very happy with you if you did that. So what we have to realize is that when New Chapel puts on this great banquet, that we are not the honored guests, in fact, who are we? We are the great servants at the banquet table. That's the call on us. I love New Chapel. Uh, at New Chapel, we have 50-some services a year, uh, sometimes a little bit more, sometimes a little bit less. If we have a special service, a prayer service, or the Good Fridays or Christmas Eves, it might take away one Sunday, but we have 50-some services. And you're pretty used to it. Maybe you're new and you're getting into your routine, but it's amazing how fast it happens. Uh, you know where to park in the parking lot. Where you, Here's how I know. You're trying to park to leave as quick as possible. I know. I know you. It's all good. And you know which entrance to get into because you know where you're going to be dropping your kids off. Because Lord knows you've got to get rid of those cheering before you get your coffee. Because some of you mamas, that's the first hot cup of coffee you've had without kids in your mug all week. And so there's a routine to that. There's a rhythm. You get out in the lobby and you're talking with people and you're having your coffee. And like we are at New Chapel, you're going to come in during the first song and you're going to try to find your seat. If somebody took your seat, you're typically pretty upset about that. I understand. And so you'll sit behind them and look at them angry until God deals with you during worship. I got you. <laughs> what are you saying, Pastor Joe? There's a routine. You're in a routine. And sometimes we can think of Easter as just another dinner party that's being thrown. This is awesome. It's a potluck. Oh, great. I'll bring the mac and cheese. But it's not another dinner. This is a banquet. We're putting out the red carpet. We're putting out the, the, the napkin rings, if you will. We're doing things a little bit different because Easter is not a dinner party. It's a banquet. Let me put it this way. We are not just going to have coffee out in the lobby. In fact, I want, to, I want you to get pretty loud about this if you're excited. We are going to have full-size hot donuts available for everybody. Oh, if you don't feel Jesus when I say that, you're dead. In fact, I think that we should have the domain name hotdonutchurchusa.com backslash Joe Bevilacqua never closed this church. I'm just saying we should do it. We should... We should do it and have hot, and if any rich folk, if we do have any yet, we haven't had any yet, if you want to sponsor the donut ministry, please do from a very grateful church. Here's what I'm trying to say. We are not the honored guests. We're going to roll out the red carpet in a way. Why are we doing that, Pastor? Because sinners feel like they're supposed to be in church on Easter. Your backwards brother-in-law feels like he's supposed to be in church on Easter. I mean, a guy that says that he's an atheist, everybody on the Facebook knows he's going to have a call from his granny being like, you go by the church on Easter? Yes, grandma, because he can't lie to her. 
everybody. And so the picking is good. And what we need to do is be ready to receive those people. You don't build churches off from Easter and Christmas. I've learned this. But you can give a great taste to your community, and you can get a lot of people saved based on those holidays. So here's a question for you. If it is the case that this is a banquet and not a dinner, who should we invite to our table for the great banquet? Write that down. Who should we invite? And then if it's a who, that's important. But if you don't know how to do it, who is going to be hard? And so I would ask this question, and a lot of people do. How do we invite? How do we reach out to people? And I've talked to you in, in, in the comments area. We, we've had conversation from time to time, and I've heard you before. You've said, Pastor Joe, I've got this coworker. I've got this family member. I've got this friend in my life that I want to invite to church. I just don't know how. And if you don't know how, who really doesn't matter? So I'm almost kind of taking a time out in the middle of a sermon to give you a how to reach out to other people. First thing is this, how do we invite? Number one, I want you to look for moments. Look for moments. You don't need to look for fireworks. You don't to look for something big. You don't need a grandstand. Look for moments. A couple months back uh, during the holidays, I was at a holiday party and uh, I met a guy named Logan, and uh, we really hit it off. We were just talking about life and talking about family, and inevitably he asked me what I did, which is kind of a bummer in my world, just to let you know, because then the cat's out of the bag. Typically, people either, they're cool or they act really, <laughs> really weird. And so I told him I'm a pastor, and, and he acted really cool about it. He said, that's awesome. You know, uh, our church are just closed for reasons he wasn't excited about. In the last two years, he said, I, I would really like to get into church again. I, I've got kids, and they really need a relationship with Jesus, but he, he really stressed to me the importance of it being a safe place. And so we talked about that, talked about church being safe, and it was cool. And so I, I looked for a moment there and had a great conversation with him. Who are you looking for this week? You're looking for people in your office. You're looking for people in your neighborhood. You're looking for people in your schools, in, 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 your, in your orb. And in marketing, they would call it like the first radius or your soft circle. It's just the people who are around you. Number two, I want you to write this one down. First is that you look for moments. Number two, you need to be personal. You need to be personal. Uh, as I was talking to Logan and he was expressing about how important safety was, I told him that I had four kids and that I was running all over trying to keep up with them and how safety was a big deal at New Chapel. I told them about the safety cameras that we have in every single one of our new kids' rooms and how moms can go up and not interrupt the class and go back and check 37 times in a class. No, just, just look at the screen. They're doing good, you know? And, and how there's accountability and how all of our leaders have to pass two background checks by the state police. And, you know, there's a firing squad out back if you don't pass. I mean, I'm just, I'm just telling them everything. And, Everything but the last part's true, and, and so, I mean, really, I mean, we take it very seriously, because that's the next generation, everybody, and, and so, so he's hearing it, and I'm, I'm, I'm connecting with him, and here's the deal. I'm not connecting with him, like, with an agenda. I'm just talking to a guy. I've always got this thing in my head where it's like, I'm, I'm going to talk to people about my faith. I'm going to talk to people about my church, because it's what's important to me, but I'm not, I'm not making it disingenuous. I'm, this isn't like a pyramid, and I'm not trying to, like, cast any shade on those of you that are in that thing, but like, it's not like that. It's just, I'm being personal. It's, it's sincere. Number three, write this down. How do you invite? Have confidence. What does 2 Timothy chapter 1 say? God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and of sound mind. So, so don't be timid this week. Don't be timid in the next two weeks as we're leading up to Easter. You're looking for opportunities where you just, like, little moment, I'm going to be personal. I'm going to then have some confidence in this thing, and I'm going to ask. I'm going to say, and listen, you're like, there's no way. There's no way I can ask them to, like, what, receive Jesus there in that moment? Listen, if you're around New Chapel for long enough, you're probably going to get to the spot where you can share your faith really well. But if you're in here right now, and you're, like, as I'm talking right now, you're like, oh, my gosh, I just want to puke talking about, talk, talking about, i got to lead somebody to the Lord like, I got to do an altar call. Like, somebody jump on the Hammond B3, you know. Every head bowed and every eye closed in the presence of God. If there's any among us today who are sinners, you know, you're, you're thinking that's not what you have to do. You don't have to be that way at all. You don't have to be anyone who you're not. And you might not be ready to lead someone to the Lord straight away. I believe you'll work up to that. Do you know what anybody can do? You can invite them to share your seat at church. That's an easy one. And I'll do something maybe you can't do. 
I'll give a very, very great, sober, real, not weird message. And at the end of it, I'll give an altar call that people can actually hear. And you might not be able to do that, but you can do something I can. What's that? Logan, for example, I can talk to him because I'm a Christian, not because I'm a pastor. But you know people I don't know. And that's how we can build this thing in a true way. And so we can't be timid when we're trying to talk to people. And the big fear that people have is this, is that you're going to go into your workplace and you're going to invite somebody to church and then all of a sudden they're going to be like, no, I'm not going to your church. It's a cult. And now everything's going to be awkward in between you and me. (laughs) But that they're not going to say that. They're just going to look at you. And I got to tell you, the furthest thing, it's not true. It's the furthest thing from the truth. The reality is this. When you invite someone to church, typically, if you're in a relationship with them, you've been personal, they're honored that you would even think of them. And you might talk to them and say, well, listen, I already go to church. Oh, oh, listen, I didn't know. I didn't know. I'm good. Jesus, choose your church. High five, go Christians. You know, let's win the office. You know, like, you might invite somebody and they're like, yeah, I'd love to go. I've got no place to go for Easter now that you say it. And you might talk to somebody, I've had this happen before, you're like, hey, would you like to come to church? You're like, I'm Mormon. You're like, <laughs> I just, you know, it's like, sorry. But honestly, when you, when, when you even do that, they're typically still even honored that you even thought. People are not mean like that. And I would even say in Western Michigan, it's a very safe environment to invite someone to church. It's New Jerusalem after all. I mean, come on. And so, so we need to look for moments. We need to be personal and we need to be confident in all of it. Okay, invite people to be at your table. That's the how. Now back to the question of who. Who should I invite? The easiest answer is the people that are in that soft circle. Family and friends and coworkers and clients, the people that you're regularly in contact with. These are people who are ideal to talk to about church, about faith, about coming to an Easter service. And I know what somebody's thinking in here is that, Pastor Joe, didn't we just read that Jesus wanted us to go out to the sick and the maimed and the crippled and the blind? Yeah, but he went out and tried to get other people first. There were some easy asks. Well, that's what it is, Pastor. That's an easy ask. Let me just validate that. It's an easy ask to ask some of those people. Some of those people would just go along with you because they love you. But let me just say, just because it's an easy ask doesn't mean it's wrong. It's right. Listen to me. It's right. But Jesus did say to go after the poor and the the maimed and the lame and the blind. We can do both. The easy ask, though, is something that is within your hand. It makes me think about Ed and Sheila, how you brought your neighbor. It makes me think about Cindy and Bob, how you worked on Mary for years and finally got her to come. It makes me think about Eddie Cole. And how he worked on his son. His son eventually came to church. Big deal. But then Michael's son went back to new kids and accepted Christ. It's like that was an easy ask, but who knew what was going to happen? And then you think about, you think about my friend Logan. So Logan, I, I, I was talking to him. He eventually came to the church. And now he's plugged in, and him and his wife are resolved, but it didn't stop with them. They had an easy ask in their life, and so they ended up uh, inviting uh, the, the sister-in-law named Emily, and she came by the church, and, and they hit it off and loved the church, and the kids went back to new kids, and Logan and Hannah's kids got saved back in our kids' church. Does that make sense, everybody? So, so you can't get upset about the easy ask. In fact, actually, you need to embrace it. And then for the sick, the lame, the maim, and the blind, these are obviously both natural and spiritual things. Let me just say this. You need to have your eyes open for people that are needy for Jesus. They need them. It was during the shutdowns, which my wife and I also didn't participate in. They had this activity in my hometown, and we went there as a freedom rally. And when I was there, I connected with an old friend. And she was at a spot where she was ready to re-engage. But at the same time, I, I could see she was spiritually needy. And, and needs weren't getting met. So kind of like, well, come by the church. Come be a part of everything that we're doing. We, we would love that. If our eyes were open, don't just assume everybody's all right. We talked and we were personal and made connection. Well, this person came by the church and rededicated their life. And this person was so enamored with the church that... 
uh, they wanted to clean the building and for six months would not take a paycheck from this church. When I found out about that, I finally ran into her. I said, you will be getting paid. We love you, but a workman is worthy of his hire. Thank you for everything that you did. And so we, we paid that person very well. But I, I got to tell you, if you just assume everybody's great, you might be missing something huge. That person was needy for God. Not that they didn't have any relationship with God. Certainly needy for a church family. And so much from that one thing, I can't even, I can't even say in this message, but I will tell you that the ripples have affected so many lives. But guys, here's the idea. You gotta be ready, yes, to make the easy invite, but also there's some hard requests that are out there that you just have to be bold enough and confident and not timid that if somebody's going through it, somebody's gonna stand up and say something, invite them. And ask if they're okay. We have this pressure on us sometimes that we think that when we have an interaction with someone that's going through it, that we need to somehow change their life in that interaction. And that's actually how the Pharisees thought. The Pharisees thought that they needed to change people and then get them into the church where they hoped that God would accept them. And the reality is this. We all come from brokenness. And what we need to do is come into the house and really belong. And what God will do is then he'll work on fixing all the things. The life change will be worked out in process just like it did for you. But we put pressure on ourselves, don't we? Don't do that. Be yourself. Be honest with people. Bring them along on the journey with you. Our job is not to change lives. It's to invite them in. And our job is to be a servant that God Almighty can use. Can I hear an amen somebody? So what we want to do is we want to resource you. In fact, ushers, if you come forward real quick, we have some invites that we'd like to put into your hands. Maybe you've seen these around. Look at your ushers. They're going to be handing gobs of these down the rows real quick, guys. This is one of our Easter invites. There are smaller square ones that are out there, and there are going to be some that are going to be put into your hands as you leave today. Now, these are printed with special ink, so they will not hang on your refrigerator. They'll hang on other people's. but they won't hang on yours. Don't even try. And, and the idea is this. As I look into this crowd, here's what I know. I'm going to see every one of you at church. I know it. And we're going to have a blast. But I just think about how much family and friends and people that I love and I know and acquaintance outside of my little circle of us four no more, that they need a place. I think about Matt Murphy, who is one of our newer drummers, who lost his church family because of all kinds of ridiculous reasons, and, and his whole church family was made orphan. People that are looking for a church home in the season who have been de-churched, whether from the last two years or whether because they just walked away. They hit college, they hit 20, 30-something, and just walked away, and now they're looking at young kids, and they're thinking, man, i got to bring my kids up with some Christian heritage. And then there's some people that are maybe a harder ask. They're not even thinking about it. They're blind to this whole thing. you got to make the invite. The best way that I could put it is this. When is the last time that you drove past the American Legion and thought, hmm, I wonder what they got going on at the American Legion? Which, by the way, they have great fish on Friday. But When's the last time that you drove past the Moose Club and you're like, man, I bet they have great things for families. We should just go in as first-time visitors. We should go by one of those West Side Halls and just see what's going on. I can be the Knights of something or other and get a ring and, 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 and we, we could be just first-time visitors in this thing. That is exactly how the world looks at the church. We've used verbiage like members. We've used, we've used really a hand saying, you go out there, we're in here. And they don't look when they drive past and see New Chapel, the Church for New Life, and they don't think, I wonder what they got going on. I'm going to be a first-time visitor. Have you ever thought of it that way? It's very, very profound. And so we do want to resource you with these cards to invite other people. Now, Pastor Joe, you are putting it on thick. I certainly am. I am trying to compel you to do this. Luke 14 and verse 23, the master said to the servant, go out into the highways and hedges, compel them to come in that my house may be full is what the Bible says. Go out there and get them. I'm compelling you to do it. Compel in the original Bible languages, it means to force, to drive, especially to a course of action. 
go use this piece of paper and talk to somebody. Maybe you're going to go take it. Oh, this is good. Maybe you're going to go take it down to Leonard to Sandy's Donuts and get a couple dozen donuts, and then you're going to make it so when they open up the lid that it's sitting there, and you're going to go drop it off because you don't only back the blue, but you also know that stereotypes sometimes hold, and, and you're going to go bless the police officers with some donuts and invite them to church on the box. That's a great idea. What if when you're dropping your kid off at daycare that you went up to the teacher and said, hey, if you don't have any place to go, welcome home. I don't even know. There you go. Just walk away. Just leave it. Just keep walking. You don't even have to stop moving for those ninja inviters. Like, you could just do that. What if you put this out in the break room and put it up on the bulletin board? What if you, br- what if you brought it to one person? I'm not trying to get everybody. just thought you could come with me. I remember when the sequel trilogy of Star Wars came out, nobody came up to me and said, uh, I don't know if you believe this way, and I don't know if this is like a movie that you'd like, but... I was wondering if you wanted to come, because they're having a m- movie at Celebration Cinema, this is Star Wars. If you were into Star Wars, you didn't even care what anybody thought. You're like, look, we're going to go see Star Wars. You need this in your life. I'm picking you up at 7. <laughs> Do invite. But I, I'm convinced many Christians need to stop inviting people to church and start bringing them to church. Forget the invitation. Make the bring invitation. Amen, somebody? Now, I want to share with you some stats. I think it will encourage you. Well, turned off by church, those people who are, 78% of those people are willing to listen to someone who wants to talk about their Christian beliefs. 78%, everybody. That number rose to 89% among adults 18 to 29. You think that they're so combative sometimes. There is a very small minority that's trying to pit us against each other. You know what I found about people that are on, what's just called the other side? They're very willing sometimes to listen. Very reasonable people. But they're being fed that same little fight bug. So what if we were the people that went in there and said, it's not too awkward and I'm not going to get a fight like a news pundit, but I'm going to talk. I'm going to share. 78% statistically would listen to you. Seven out of ten unchurched people have never been invited to church in their whole lives. So of the 100% of unchurched people that are outside of these doors, 70% have never been asked. Now check this out. 82% of the unchurched are at least somewhat likely to attend church if invited. What is that saying? Eight out of 10, you talk to eight out of 10, they're likely to come. Eight out of 10? Now think about that. Pastor Joe, the culture is going to hell in a handbasket, and this is awful, and we need to have some people deal with this, and, and, and I'm frustrated, and we need to see the church rise up. Okay, I agree. Do you think I'm going to change my message one iota from the last two years to what I was preaching before? I won't. The same thing that would have changed the country and spared us a lot of grief in the last two years is the very same thing that can save this country moving forward. And that is a very engaged and alive church that's reaching outside of their four walls. And as much as you agree with that, God is not looking for your agreement. God is looking for your obedience. He's looking for all of us to to, to stand up and to rise up and say, we can do something about this. Eight out of ten would come. Most people come to church, this is the last stat, because of a personal invitation. Wow. And seven out of ten that are outside these doors have never been asked. Never been asked, guys. Who here believes that God still reigns today? Come on. Who who believes it? Yeah. Who believes that Jesus still changes lives and heals bodies and sets people free? Who believes that the gathering of the church is important, that we come together and that this is, the, this is the hope of the whole world, that Jesus still changes lives through his church? You agree with that? Yeah. I'm here to tell you that I compel you to invite them in. 
I can, not an empty seat in the house on Easter. Fill it up. I want my whole family and extended family to be standing in the lobby because we've got no place to be. Let's have people sitting on the, on, the, on the stage during the message. Guys, come on. We need this in the country, right? We can't just agree with it. We've got to do something about it. Get them in the house on Easter. Boy, you're strong. Let me say it again. Get them in the house on Easter. Get them in the house. Let's believe God. Salvation is always present here at New Chapel. Hear me. But it's showcased on Easter. What makes Easter so special? It's just the best day that we would celebrate the death, burial, and resurrection of our Jesus who changed our life, who made all things new, and who can make other people's lives new. So if we do our part and decide not to just be the honored guests, but decide to be the servants at the table. If we make easy invites, and we also make some pretty hard requests, if we look for moments, and if we try to be personal, and if we show some Christian confidence, guys, I believe that we will see the glory of the Lord on Easter. I think you will attend a church service where you see more people accept Christ in one hour than you ever had before in your entire life. And I believe the gates of hell will not prevail against that church. Let's love our neighbor. Amen, somebody? <laughs> Heavenly Father, we love you and we love others as ourself. God, I pray for my church right now that they would see names and faces, names and faces all over. God, you even bubbled up different faces or names during the message today. I pray that you'd show them names and faces, God, that they would know someone that they can reach out to, someone that they can, they can make an invite. God, maybe, maybe people are going to make the decision on Easter to park way far away to give preferred parking to guests. Maybe it's going to be people who decide to serve or come to an earlier service or, God, that, that they, would, they would make room for other people in their life. God, I pray that invites would go out of this place, but ultimately, God, we don't build this off from Christmas and Easter. We build it off from you. It's relationship with you that's changed everything for us, and it's the same thing that'll change their lives. So, God, I pray for my church that we would love our neighbor, that we'd be concerned enough to cross the street, as it were, God, I pray that if there's anybody in the sound of my voice that doesn't know you, but as they listen to a message like this, they're stirred, help me to find them. Friend, you're sitting in my auditorium today, and as you're listening to this message about reaching other people, God is reaching you right now. You're hearing about a church that loves people and loves people outside of its own little club. And the truth is, it's no mistake that you're here. God loves you. God has a plan for your life. God wants to see you through, and you made it. Good job. You say, well, Pastor Joe, I'm not right with God. The only way to be right with God is through his only son, Jesus. The Bible says if you call Jesus Lord, you'll be saved. What does that mean? You'll have eternity in heaven when you die, but eternal life doesn't start when you're, when you're dead. It starts the moment you accept Christ. Some of the freedom and joy that you've been looking for, friend, it's not found in externals. It's found in a relationship with God through Jesus. If you're ready to pray that prayer today, we're going to give you an opportunity. You will have that heaven. You will have eternal life, that freedom in your life. But listen, if you say this prayer like it's vain repetition or some religious act, something like the Pharisees, you'll leave this place the same way you walked in. But if you sincerely mean it, if you call him Lord, it just means boss, means you're done being God. The Bible says you'll be saved. Pray it out loud with me, church. Pray this. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you for sending Jesus to die on the cross in my place for my sin so I can be forgiven. You raised him from the dead. This I believe. So with my heart and with these words, I confess. Jesus Christ is my Lord. I surrender now. Jesus, I call on you. Come into my life. Forgive my sin. Put your spirit in me. I receive all that you have for me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for making all things new. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give it up for those people that accepted Christ. Hallelujah. If you prayed that for the first time, the reason why we're kind of losing our mind is because we're so proud of you. And we need you to take a next step. Now, let me tell you, I'm not going to embarrass you and call you to the front. 
There's public things like baptism. This was between you and God. But there is a next step. We talked about those connection cards at the beginning of service. Pastor Brian, with those massive manly arms of his, was talking about the connection card. You might have noticed him. And if you would be willing to fill that out, it would mean the world. Here's why. We want to send you a note in the mail talking about next steps that God has for you in the faith, the least of which is to fill that card out. And listen, we're behind you. If you came with somebody that accepted Christ, I encourage you to reach out to them and have them fill that card out. Either way, we will have prayer partners as we dismiss today. Church, one more time, let's give it up for those people that accepted Christ. Great job. Great job. Hey, stand up on your feet, gang. I hope that you enjoyed the second part of Love Thy Neighbor. And everybody say, I love God. I love love thy neighbor. neighbor. That's bad English, but I done made you say it. Hey, a couple quick announcements. New Chapel Connect is happening every single week during services. It's the best way to find out more about our vision, how to join the church, and ultimately make a difference here. You can jump into that anytime here at New Chapel. Holy Week is right around the corner. Uh, This next Sunday, everybody say next Sunday. Next Sunday is Palm Sunday and is one of my favorite weekends here at church. Here's the reason. It is free ice cream for everybody. We call it a Palm Sunday. And I'm not saying that it's more holy to stack it up with as much toppings as you can. It's not a contest, but that's what I'm going to do. And so I would encourage you to bring your friends, family, your kids. Everybody gets an ice cream Sunday on Palm Sunday here at New Chapel. Obviously, it's going to be a very spiritual time before and after at church, but we're also going to uh, have a fun church social in between and after services. Uh, I do want to let you know also that on the Friday of that week, that is on April 15th at 7, so Good Friday is at 7 o'clock, we are having a Good Friday service for 60 minutes. It is something that we will have childcare for our nursery and our preschool ages, but I'm asking that if you have an elementary age kid that they sit with you during the service, and here's why. For no other reason than this, I'm convinced that more churches need to preach about the cross. In fact, I think it's fairly central to what we got going on in Christianity, everybody. And and this will give an opportunity to hear a very sober preaching of the cross, but it'll be something that you'll be able to broker conversation with your sons and daughters about a very serious but wonderful wonderful subject. So make plans to be here on April 15th at 7. And then, of course, Easter is at April 17th. Three services, 8, 9, 15, 11. The week after, just put a little bug in your ear, we are having baptism. So if you haven't been baptized, it's going to be amazing. God does have great things for you. The first thing is like getting wet. And so like, if you haven't been baptized, you can sign up over at guest services. Listen to me. I love you guys. Next week is going to be phenomenal. Let's ramp it up towards Easter. Bring somebody with you. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine on you. Be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And as you go, as you go, have a great week.